baptized. And John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So what that's talking about is they would preach, Jesus would preach, but his disciples would baptize them. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. So from where he was to get to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. That's where the road went. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, said, in that saidest thou truly. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Let's read on. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this, his disciples, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as we look at your word tonight. And there's so much to learn from this passage. And Lord, help us to do that today. And I know that we can't cover all of it. But Lord, I do believe there are some things here that will help us. Lord, we want you to be glorified and honored, magnified through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you have heard that story before? Right? We're going to go through it tonight, or this morning. We might be here until tonight. We'll see how long it goes. 
we're, we're going to go through this text, and I think we're just going to have a great time with it. I have had such a good time studying this because there's so much more here than uh, I think that we see at first glance. Um, there's a couple of thoughts. First of all, look at verse... Uh, Look at verse 6. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied in his journey, sat thus on the well. Can you imagine this, the Son of God being tired? Now, we have to remember what the Bible says in Hebrews. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ was completely human without sin. So here, Jesus was tired. Can you imagine the the creator of the world being tired? This is what Jesus Christ did for us. It's an amazing thing. There's another thing that I want you to notice here. Look at verse 7. It says, uh, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. There are two times in the Bible where Jesus Christ asked for a drink of water. Once here and once on the cross. When he was on the cross, they gave him uh, vinegar mingled with gall and ridicule. Here, he got questions and an argument. It's interesting, isn't it? Two times Jesus Christ asked for water. And this is kind of the way the world is. Whatever Jesus Christ asks, they don't want to give it. And I wonder, I would ask you today, what is Jesus Christ asking from you today? Are you willing to give? Jesus, what He wants from you. It's an amazing thing. There's so many things in this text. Here's another one. Look at verse 8. For His disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. This is an interesting commentary on miracles in the Bible. You know that Jesus Christ was the creator of the world. He could have just snapped His fingers and had meat. He could have not snapped His fingers and had meat. He's the one who stepped out on the edge of nothing and spoke everything into existence. He's the one who upholds all things by the word of His power. He's the one who created all things and by whom all things consist. That's who here is sitting waiting for meat. So this is a commentary on miracles in the Bible. Jesus Christ never performed miracles to meet carnal, physical needs. They were always for a spiritual reason to bring glory to God as a sign to show people that He was the Messiah. Or He gave that ability to apostles to show the Jews that the Messiah was here and that the message is true. The miracles were never for personal consumption. You say, what about the feeding of the 5,000? That was to demonstrate to those people that He was the Messiah and to teach His disciples to have faith. His his miracles were always to bring glory to God. As a matter of fact, look at chapter 2. I'll show you something. In verse 11, after Jesus Christ had, at the wedding of Cana had turned water into wine, the Bible says this, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed on Him. Bring glory to God, bring belief in men. That's why Jesus Christ performed miracles. Look at chapter 4 and verse 48. This is where the nobleman's son is sick and he wants Jesus Christ to heal him. And look at what Jesus Christ said to him in verse 48. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. 
And that's what he was dealing with in Israel. The Bible says the Jews require a sign. So he came doing signs and wonders and miracles. That's what he did in that land at that time. But when it comes to miracles, the reason that we don't see those kinds of miracles today is because we have the Word of God. We have the authority of the Scripture. We persuade men. The Bible says the Sikhs, the, the, the Greeks seek after... The Sikhs, that's a different group, isn't it? The Greeks seek after wisdom, but the Jews require a sign. So here in Western society, you don't persuade people by doing miracles. They'll just ask you for another miracle and throw money at you. Is that right? So this is a commentary on miracles. God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, did not perform miracles to meet His own physical needs. He did it so that glory could be brought to the Father and faith could be generated in His disciples or in those to be His disciples. Then look at verse 9. I want you to see something. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew... Ask us drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, remember who the Samaritans were. When the, when the Jews were carried off into captivity in Babylon, there were some that stayed in Israel, and they intermarried with the Gentiles. And they, are the, they are the Samaritans. So they were rejected by the Gentiles because they were half Jew, and they were rejected by the Jews because they were half Gentile. They were a people on their own. And... The Jews didn't have relationships with them, didn't have communication with them. This is so interesting. In John chapter 3, we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. Why did he come to Jesus at night? Because he was worried about his reputation. Jesus Christ is talking to a woman, the woman at the well because according to Philippians chapter 2, he made himself of no reputation. The Bible says that we, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. If Jesus Christ can make himself of no reputation, then we can deal with people of different races, of different economic classes, uh, amen, different religions. We need, to, we need to take the gospel to those people. We need to show them who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. We need to not worry about, do I look cool? Do I have my headband on? Do I have my wristbands on? Remember that, that video? Remember that guy? The guy was awesome. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a cat in the house. How many of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about? Oh, well. All right. I'm in my own little world. I know. That's all right. But really, people do. They worry so much about what do I look like? What's somebody going to think about me if I do this? How about what does Jesus think about it? What did Jesus do? Remember, we don't say what would Jesus do. We say what did Jesus do when he was here on earth doing things? What did Jesus do? Jesus went and talked to the woman at the well. He talked to her. Very interesting. Jesus, look, look at, the other thing is, she brings up race. Do you see that? Look at verse 9 again. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of, this, of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. How many of you recognize that in the United States right now, we've got some race issues going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not only in the United States. My goodness, you go into any part of the world, there are race problems. Go to India. Go to India and look at the, look at the problems they have between the Muslims and the Hindus. You know what Pakistan is? It's the Muslim India. Right? There's all kinds of trouble in the world based on race. 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not interested in your race. We should not be interested in that. Amen? What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to see everyone as people for whom Jesus Christ died. Keep your place in John chapter 4. Go to Revelation chapter 5. I want you to see something. I think there's some people that aren't going to be happy in heaven. Look at verse 9, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. It's so important. This is so important. When you get saved, He doesn't make you white. He doesn't make you black. He doesn't make you Jewish. He doesn't make you Arabic. What does He make you? Kings and priests. Sons of God. Amen? Now, how many of you know that there have been race issues in Christianity? Right? It's so interesting. We know that the South seceded over the issue of slavery, right? Wrong. It was states' rights. But the issue that they were fighting was slavery. And so you had uh, churches in the North who were against slavery, churches in the South that were for slavery. How many of you knew that? But the churches in the North wouldn't fund missions to the American Indians because they were a dying and, and pagan people. And the churches in the South sent missionaries to the Indians. Race trouble. Race trouble. And I'll say this. Now, I'm conservative. I'm just to the right of Genghis Khan. Okay? So I'm, I'm a conservative. But here's what happens. Conservatives, because of people like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and race hustlers, you know, the rhyming reverends, um, when those guys speak about race, it causes us to react. So let's not look at it from Al Sharpton's point of view because he's an idiot. Okay? Let's look at it from Jesus Christ's point of view. You need to look into your heart and ask this question. Am I a racist? Is there someone that I don't want to be saved? Is there someone that I would not be comfortable in heaven with? That's a serious question, isn't it? That is a serious question. His disciples felt the same way. Look, John chapter 4. The same way as some of us, maybe. Look at what they say. Verse 27, John 4, verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou to her? Now, they didn't, they didn't like it, but they weren't going to challenge Jesus on it. But did Jesus know what they were thinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you saw your children talking to someone of a different race, would you say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, wouldn't you hope that in 2000 and what year is it, 15, that we would be past that? How many of you hope that we're past that? 
The only way that you can know it is to look into your own heart. Now, I will say this. Can I, at, at the risk of being politically incorrect, there are race problems in America. There are groups of people that are trying to absolutely destroy black people in America. And it's not the KKK. It's the people that get money and power from their subjugation. Why is it that black kids in Chicago, only 15% of them can read? Why is that? Because there's an educational system that keeps them down. Why is it? Why is it that 70% of black kids are born outside of wedlock? Because there's a whole industry around that that supports it. How many of you think that's good for those kids? It's terrible. It's terrible. There are problems in the black community, and it's because of the leadership of the black community that is harming them. That's not a racist statement. That's an obvious statement. Amen? Look, you want to destroy people? You want to destroy people? Take the industry out of their community. You want to destroy people? Tell them they have no future, no hope. I was watching this guy... I wish I knew his name. He's a black businessman from New Orleans. And he doesn't say to young men, what do you want to be when you grow up? He doesn't say that to him. You know what he says to him? What kind of business do you want to own when you grow up? And they look at him like they, they've never imagined that could be a possibility. What kind of company do you want to run when you grow up? Can you imagine? Now, for us who have such great aspirations for our children, can you imagine being a child who thinks that his only hope is to be a drug dealer or to go on welfare? Or Can you imagine that being your future? That being the only hope that you have? Somehow get out of the neighborhood? Now, we're in Sydney, Ohio. We don't really deal with it except on television. But who is it in Sydney that you wouldn't want to associate with? Who is it in Sydney that you wouldn't want to be seen with? Amen? This is a big issue. We as Christians, we need to understand that God created everyone. And He created them all for His glory. And He wants them all to be saved. Amen. Amen. Let's go on. In verse 12, the Bible says, this is, this is so funny. Look at verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now this is so important right here. This is so important. What is Jesus saying to her? You don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. Do you know what our job is? Our job is to go and find people and say, you don't know who Jesus is. Let me show you. Let me tell you who he is. Then look at what he says. The woman say, verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Now this is interesting. Jesus is offering her living water. She is thinking about physical water. 
This happens all through the Gospel of John. Jesus speaks on spiritual terms, and people think of it on physical terms. He said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What did Nicodemus say? Can a man enter into his mother's womb again? No, of course not. What was the problem? Jesus is speaking spiritually. He's understanding physically. How many of you recognize that? Right? The problem is we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. What does that mean? Colossians 3 verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. Well, Romans 6 says it this way. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. What is that baptism? We're buried with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. It's not water baptism. It's identifying with His death, burial, and resurrection. It's saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, proving that He was, is, and always will be God. And I'm placing my faith and trust in that for my eternal life. When that happens, I am dead to sin, and I'm raised to walk with Christ. Right? Is that right? Okay, so that's what's going on. So now, if that is true, is there anyone here, you know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? You know that. Okay, so this is, who you're, this is who it's talking about. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Set your affection on things above. How many of you have something right now, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, that you want? I was at... Uh, Best Buy the other day, and I saw this sweet new TV. Okay? It's this 4K Ultra HD Sony with the built-in sound system. This thing is awesome. And I want one. Bad. How many of you have something kind of like that right now? That you kind of want real bad right now? Yeah. And I think that's okay. The Bible says that, that He'll give us the desire of our hearts. and It's okay to desire physical things. But is that your life? Can you imagine if the most important thing in my life was a new TV? Wouldn't that be kind of weird? See, the idea here, it's one of priorities. I'm supposed to set my affection on things above. That is, how, how do we understand that? Because we don't even know what heaven looks like. What is that talking about? It's looking at life with an eternal perspective. Look at, because here's the deal. If I get that TV, if Laura lets me get it, <laughs> which isn't looking real good at this particular moment, if I got that TV about five years from now, you know what I'm going to want? A new TV. Of course, by then it's going to be holograms or something, you know. But that's the problem because things on the earth fade away. They, they decay, they, except you ladies. Diamonds are forever, right? It, it, it's so important that we get this. It's so important. She had, her focus was on her immediate need. What was she there for? She's got her water pot <laughs> carrying this water pot back and forth. 
That's what's on her mind. She had an immediate physical need. That's where her mind was. Do you know what we do? We have an immediate physical need. Now, I've got to tell you, you know that TV? Is that really a physical need? Absolutely. I need that. Okay, not really. She had a genuine need. You can't live without water. But she also had an eternal need. That's what Jesus Christ was focusing on. Jesus speaks in spiritual terms. The woman understands in physical terms. Now, he wants to give her eternal life. Go back to John 4. John 4. So look at verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? This is so interesting. There are some things in this text and in his conversation with the woman here, the woman of Samaria, that, that are universal. These things come up all the time. You start talking to somebody about the Lord, you think you're better than me, don't you? Or I have my own religion. Do you see how that comes up here? Now, what's funny is, art thou greater than our father Jacob? You know what the answer is? Yes. But did he answer that question? No. When you're, how many of you have ever tried to give someone the gospel? Right? And what happens? There's always distractions. They always move you away. Notice what Jesus does in this text. He stays focused on his mission. He, st- he doesn't let her distract him. Now, look at what happens. Verse 12. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall, uh, shall thirst again. He didn't even deal with Jacob. But whosoever drinketh of this water, that verse 14, that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. So she's interested in physical water. He wants to give her eternal life. Now look at her response. Verse 15, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Look, neither come hither to draw. Do you know what she wants from Jesus? She wants her life to be made better. She wants her life to be made easier. You give somebody the gospel. You give you, you kids at school. You give one of your friends the gospel. And they say this, If I get saved, will my daddy come home? If I believe in Jesus, will my mom's cancer go away? I've had those things said to me. That's what she's saying. And here's the deal. It's a legitimate need. How many of you want to carry a water pot miles back and forth to the well? No, no. I'll get in my car and drive. Right? I'll have Larry get water into my house. It's it's very interesting that... Sometimes we can get really spiritual. Look, Jesus is wanting to give her eternal life. She doesn't want to carry the water pot. How foolish is that? She still has to carry the water pot. But this is something that's very interesting. Jesus did not come to alleviate your physical problems. Back to the miracle thing again. Jesus did not come to alleviate your physical problems. He came to give you eternal life, which will ultimately alleviate your physical problems. You know, there is an ultimate answer to all of our prayers. You know, how many of you know a Christian that died of cancer? Yeah. Are they better off? 
Yes, they have eternal life with Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to take care of Aunt Millie's big toe. He came to give us eternal life. We as Americans are so focused on the physical that we forget that we are supposed to be spiritual and godly people. When a person gets saved, if you're in financial trouble and you get saved, do you know what's going to happen the day after you get saved? You're still going to have financial trouble. It's just the Lord's going to help you to have peace as you go through it. And then you're going to learn things from Scripture to how to get out of that physical trouble, or out of that, that financial trouble. Amen? It's so important that we get this. She wanted the answer to a physical need. Jesus is giving her the answer to her spiritual need. Her physical need will end. Her spiritual need is eternal. And His answer is eternal. Then, verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. How about that? How would you like... Could you imagine this, Chad? I come to you and I start telling you everything that went on in your home this week. How would y'all like that? One by one, we put up on the screen everything that happened in your house. That'd be wild, wouldn't it? That would be wild. That's the way this woman felt when Jesus said this. And I want you to understand something that's so important here. This month, we're going to be focusing on family issues. And this woman... She's had five husbands, and the man she's living with is not her husband. Why did Jesus bring that up? Why did He bring it up? Because she's living in sin, and He needs to deal with her sin. All of us are living in sin. Amen? All of us are living. Why did He bring it up? She's tried six times for happiness and has failed every time. Ladies, let me tell you something. If you're searching for happiness at home, you're going to be disappointed. Men, if you're looking for happiness at home, you're going to be disappointed. Children, if you think that your happiness is going to be in your career, your happiness is going to be in some person, you're going to be disappointed. Your ultimate happiness has to come from Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happens. Laura's life is in Christ. My life is in Christ. So now we can have a happy home. Why? Because we're both wanting to please our Lord. When we want to please our Lord, that changes everything else. The selfishness, the anger, the deceit, all of those things that Laura has. No, all of those things that we all have, what happens is those things come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And now I can have actual joy, actual fulfillment, and actual happiness in a relationship with another believer. Amen? 
What this woman needed was not another husband. She needed Jesus Christ. The people that you're dealing with in the world who it seems like they can't make a good decision and they're, on this, they're always on this downward spiral of degeneration, what they need is not Financial Peace University, which is great. They need Jesus Christ. When they meet Jesus and they get saved, now Financial Peace University makes sense. It's so important that we get this. Look at the text. What does she do? Verse 19, Woman, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Wouldn't you think right there she'd start asking him questions? She says this, Our, father, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What is she doing? What is she doing? Well, my religion says, my religion teaches, that when, when God gets into the very personal and He starts piercing the heart and piercing the life, here come the excuses, here come the arguments, anything to get away from the actual issue at hand, which is her eternal destiny, her need for a Savior. Let's have a religious argument. So you, you think once saved, always saved? So you think you could kill somebody and still go to heaven? Is that what you think? What are they doing? They're moving away from some, an uncomfortable conversation that's very personal to something general that really has no meaning at that moment. What did Jesus do? Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. What does she need again? She needs to believe Him. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. So here's the idea. Everybody look up here. I give Patrick the gospel. And he says to me, well, you're a Baptist. I'm a Mormon. And that happens, right? What did Jesus say? Look, 100 years from now, neither one of us are going to church. Is that right? There's an hour coming when we're not going to church. The issue then is, are you saved or not? Are you going to be with Jesus or not? You see? That's what Jesus did. The hour is coming when it doesn't matter whether it's Mount Gerizim or Mount, Mount Zion. It doesn't matter. Right now you need to receive Jesus Christ. And here's what happened. The Samaritans believed that, God, that the dust that God made Adam from came from Mount Gerizim. They believed that the ark landed on Mount Gerizim and that the first sacrifice that Noah made was on Mount Gerizim. They believed that Abraham offered Isaac on Mount Gerizim. So, it was all fanciful and all that. So she's trying to, to throw up this stuff, and Jesus goes right past it. Then I want you to see something really interesting. Look at the next verse. Verse 23, or verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. Do you see that? Ye worship. What did Jesus say to her? You don't know what you're talking about. You ever been talking to somebody who's talking religion? And they obviously don't know what they're talking about. You ever been there? That's what Jesus said to her. Then look. He said, ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. What does he say here? I understand you worship in Mount Gerizim. That's not going to matter ultimately. But you need to know something. You're wrong. How about that? Now, you need to understand this. You really need to get this. This would be like me saying to a black person, oh, hey, look, salvation's of white people. 
Do you understand that's how she would have heard that? Why is he doing that? Because what she is saying is our race's religion teaches this. Jesus said, no, salvation is of the Jews. Well, that's racist. It's not racist if it's true. Right? Now look. Verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. So here's the deal. You're worshiping in this place. The place isn't the issue. The issue is a person and I am that person. That's what Jesus is telling her. Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Now look at this. This is what people do. You're giving somebody the gospel. They bring up their religion. You demonstrate to them that their religion isn't the issue. The Bible's the issue. Right? Then what do they do? Well, I know this. They're going to tell you something they know about religion. I know this. Look at what Jesus says to her. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Look, she understands what happened in the Old Testament. You know what he says to her? I am. That Messiah that you're looking for, that Christ that you're looking for, I am. That's me. I am. He is God. That's what he just told her. What is the great need that every person has? They need God. And the only way they can know God is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is so cool. He, she goes, and look at verse 29. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus really tell her all things? No. Here's what happens. new believer gets saved, and they go and share their faith. They share their faith in an imperfect way. How many of you, when you first got saved, gave the gospel to somebody? And now, if you went back and looked at what you said to them, you'd say, oh, no, I can't believe I said that. Right? But God still used it. What did God do here? God, she, this lady, she meets the Messiah, she believes in Him, and she goes and she starts telling everybody, come and see the man that told me all things. Why is that important? Because that is her understanding of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, He'll tell us all things, that wh whatever we've ever done. Come and see the Messiah. I found Him. I found Him. Now look at what they do. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto Him, they besought Him that He would tarry with them, and He abode there two days. I want you to think His disciples were probably there. His disciples had to be there with a race of people that they were not comfortable with for two days. That's awesome. Jesus loves to put you in uncomfortable situations. Look at verse 41. And many more believed because of His own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Here's what happens. So many people think that they've got to be a Bible scholar before they can tell somebody about Jesus. She just went, Come and see Jesus. He told me everything I've ever done. So her message wasn't exactly right, but she was still pointing people to Jesus. Then they met Jesus, and he straightened them out. Do you know what we need to do? We just tell people about Jesus. 
Just tell people about Jesus. Invite them here. We'll introduce them to Jesus. We need to tell people that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. It doesn't matter their race. It doesn't matter their cultural background. It doesn't matter their social status. It doesn't matter their physical need. Every person needs Jesus Christ. We know Jesus. All we have to do is point people to Him. What an amazing, amazing text of Scripture. Now, let me ask you, are you saved? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, or do you have all kinds of religious questions still? See, it's not about where you go to church. Is it important where you go to church? Yes. Does that have anything to do with you going to heaven? No. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him alone for your eternal life? If you haven't, you need to get that settled today. The hour comes and now is. The Father seeking such as will worship Him. There's going to come a time when it doesn't, you're not going to have a choice whether you go to church or not. You're going to be dead. It's coming. Right? Is that right? So that's number one. Number two, do you have any racism in your heart? Is there any group of people or type of person that, that what if it's a the homosexual? Are you willing to love? In Jesus' name, somebody who has a lifestyle that the Bible condemns. You know those people need Jesus? The Apostle Paul talks about that in the book of Corinth, as were some of you, is what he says. The Apostle Paul didn't feel that way. He led him to Christ. What is your heart like? What is your heart? Do you, are, do you have bigotry or racism in your heart? If you do, you need to confess that to the Lord and ask Him to give you a heart like His. Amen? We need not be those kind of people. We need to not be those kind of people. And then, are you waiting until you know more before you tell people about Jesus? Go and tell them. The Messiah is coming. You believe that? The Messiah is coming. We need to tell people, He has already come, and He's coming again, and He saved me. I want you to be saved too. What are they going to do? Well, my religion says... Well, that's, I understand. Your religion says that. Let me show you what the Bible says. I was talking to a lady one time, and she was a Roman Catholic. And I was giving her the gospel, and she said, uh, Well, my priest said... And I said, You know, I've heard Baptist preachers say some really crazy stuff too. It's not about being a Baptist or a Catholic. What does the Bible say? And I asked her this, Do you believe the Bible? She said, Yes. I said, I do too. Let's look at what the Bible says about this. That's what we're supposed to do, folks. We're not supposed to engage in religious debates. We're supposed to be leading people to Jesus Christ. Amen? If you're a visitor here and you know, we teach all about comparative religions, we teach about right doctrine. That's, that's the heart of everything that we do. But my job isn't to make people have right doctrine. Initially, my job is to lead them to Jesus Christ and then build them up in the apostles' doctrine. Is that right? But they, you can't have right doctrine until you get saved. That's the foundation of it. The, we looked at it in, in the adult class downstairs today. Add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. Knowledge, temperance, temperance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. But it starts with faith. We can teach all those other things, and we do, but that can't happen until that person has faith. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you have, when's the last time you told someone? 
When's the last time you gave someone the gospel like the woman at the well? It's so interesting. They come to Jesus. They say to him, have you eaten? And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they said, where do you get food? They still don't get it. He said, my meat is to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. Have you ever been doing something that you enjoyed so much you forgot to eat? Not lately, right? But have, have you ever done that? Of course. We all have. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus loved so much telling her who He was. It, he was hungry, but it was more important than His food. Do you love telling people about Jesus that much? If you don't, ask God to give you His heart. Let's, let's take the gospel out to Sydney. Let's take it to Pickle. Let's take it to McCartyville. Let's take it to DeGraff. Let's take it to, to Troy, especially. Let's do, all of these... That's right, Patrick. But people... Alabama. That's right. These people need the gospel. Amen? They need the gospel. Do we have the gospel? Have we met the one who told us all things? Have we met him? Yeah. Come see a man. Come on. Come see a man. Can you do that? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. There's so much in this passage. Lord, there might be somebody here who's unhappy because they're looking for happiness in their home when what their home needs is Jesus Christ. Lord, there might be somebody here who's never trusted you as their Savior. They need to be born again. Lord, there might be somebody here who has lost their passion. They've lost their zeal for telling others about you. Lord, we need, we need, we need to be the people that you have called us to be. That's number one, people who are saved. Number two, people who are of the book. And number three, people who will tell others. Lord, help us to be that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior?